Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, we've come to this wonderful uh, Sunday that we call Trinity Sunday. We talk about the Holy Trinity. It's often been called the preacher's nightmare. Uh, I don't agree with that. I think it's a great opportunity for preaching. And if you don't mind today, I'm going to put on my theologian's hat a little bit. Uh, if a theologian can't speak on Trinity Sunday, when can he speak? Um, some years ago at the parish where I was helping out near Chicago, a man approached me after Mass. And he said, you know, Father, when we recite the creed and we say all those things about Christ being begotten, not made, and one in being with the Father, th does that really mean anything? <laughs> I remember I was like barely able to suppress a, a smile because he was a, a person of very good will and a very bright guy, but obviously had never really been taught why those words are important. Because, in fact, not only do they mean something, they mean pretty much everything. In point of fact, at a decisive moment in the history of the church, men fought like cats and dogs over those words. In fact, an emperor's power hinged on the acceptance of those words. Theologians realized that the faith would rise or fall over those words. Martyrs gave their lives defending what those words meant. So, yes, <laughs> they mean something. They're taken, of course, from the Nicene Creed. And those who attend Mass on a regular basis on Sunday know this Nicene Creed well, because it's part of the liturgy of the church. We recite the words of this creed very carefully. Now, it's called the Nicene Creed because it was hammered out during the Council of Nicaea, which took place in the year 325, it's a long time ago, and it was called in the wake of the Arian Crisis. Now you're thinking, what is the Arian Crisis? Well, Arius was a very smart and very influential priest from Alexandria in Egypt, now from this early 4th century period. Alexandria, by the way, was a very theological town. Some of the leading lights of the, of the Christian intellectual world came from Alexandria, and they loved engaging in speculation about Jesus, about God, etc., etc. So Arius enters into the fray, concerning the nature and person of Jesus. Again, people in, in bars and public places would debate these issues about Jesus. Well, what did Arius say? In his very persuasive way, and they say by all accounts he was a very charismatic uh, figure, he was a singer. In fact, his theology was often translated, they say, into popular songs. Well, he said that Jesus was something like Hercules or Achilles. So go back to this period now, early 4th century. People knew the mythological world very well. It wasn't just a, an ancient memory. It was a lively reality. Hercules and Achilles were what? Well, they were demigods. 
they were kind of half human, half divine. So Arius says that Jesus was like that. He wasn't fully human because his human soul was absent so as to make room for the Logos. But the Logos that was in him, this divine Logos, wasn't fully divine, for it was identified by Arius as the highest creature, as the first and most refined spiritual creation of God the Father. Okay, so Jesus is a kind of hybrid, quasi-human, quasi-divine. The motto of the Arian movement was, there was a time when he was not. And what that means was, the Logos was a creature. There was a time when he was not, just as there was a time when you and I were not. What became incarnate in Jesus, in other words, was less than God himself. Okay? Well, against this view rebelled a number of important theologians and bishops, deeply concerned that Arius had effectively denied the divinity of Jesus and thereby threatened the doctrine of redemption. Now, why? Well, if Jesus is only a creature, then he needs to be saved as much as anybody else. St. Paul had said, and I think it's one of the great summary statements of our understanding of Jesus, Paul said, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. In other words, somehow the man, Jesus Christ, is also Emmanuel, is also God with us. Okay, that was the opposing view to Arius. Well, they fought and fought. So theological battles, everybody, <laughs> nothing new. If we're fighting about things in the church today, don't be surprised. We've always fought about things in the church. Well, emerging at this point was the emperor Constantine, who had just consolidated his own political power as emperor of a kind of reunited Roman Empire. The last thing he wanted was warfare among Christians. He wanted the Christian religion to be a unifying force. And so he called a meeting, a meeting of the bishops of the Christian world, so they could resolve this thing, hammer this thing out. And he determined the meeting should be in his own backyard. Remember, he had reestablished his capital at his own city, Constantine City, Constantinople. Nicaea was a little city just outside of Constantinople. So the emperor was going to keep a close watch on what these bishops were doing. Well, after much debate and wrangling, the council fathers determined that Arius and his followers were wrong. There was not a time when he was not. What became incarnate in Christ, they determined, was not a creature, however exalted, but was, and these words should be familiar to you, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. And then the creed that they hammered out at Nicaea clarifies things even further. And again, these should be familiar words to you. This logos was begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him, all things were made. What are they driving at? What are they driving at here? The logos that became incarnate in Jesus does indeed come forth from the Father, 
This logos is other than the Father in a very significant way. However, it does not come forth in the manner of a creature. See, creatures like you and me, like every other finite thing, are made from nothing. We are essentially finite in nature, utterly dependent. But the Logos was begotten, not made. In other words, it came forth indeed, yeah, from the Father. Other than the Father, yes, but is a perfect image of the Father. God from God. Light from light. True God from true God. What is begotten perfectly images, perfectly participates in that from which it comes forth. And that's precisely why we speak of the Father and the Son as distinct persons, but, and here's the key word of Nicaea, homoousios, that means of the same substance. One in being, we said in the older translation, now we say consubstantial, means all the same thing, of the self-same nature or essence. Hey, Father, those words mean anything? Begotten, not made, one in being with <laughs> Yes, it's it's the repetition every Sunday of this great victory over Arius. Now, now, why is that so important? Well, if Arius had won, Christianity would have devolved into one more mythology. Do you see how Jesus would have been one more interesting spiritual figure among many? If Jesus is merely a creature, then Christianity falls. That's why Paul Tillich, the Protestant theologian of the last century, said that the Council of Nicaea was the Gettysburg of Christianity. It was the rising or falling point. It was the decisive battle. And so what we do, it's interesting to me, fascinating. Every single Sunday, we stand up together and we say, Arius, you were wrong. We rehearse the words of the Council of Nicaea. Okay, now, with all that in mind, with the Nicene Creed in mind, begotten, not made, one in being, all of that, let's look back at a much earlier text in our tradition, taken from the book of Proverbs. It's our first reading for today. Now listen, listen. Thus says the wisdom of God, The Lord possessed me the beginning of his ways. From of old I was poured forth at the first before the earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains or springs, before the mountains were settled into place, before the hills, I was brought forth. That is a really interesting text, everybody. Now, why? Because what's being described here is some reality, the wisdom of God is being called, that came forth, uh huh, but not in the manner of a creature. See, because hills, mountains, fountains, springs, depths, and all that are evocative of the created natural world. And this figure is saying, before all that, in a way other than all of that, I came forth. This one is not like any of those things. Well, well, what or who is this? Listen again. When the Lord established the heavens, I was there. 
when he made firm the skies above, when he fixed fast the foundation of the earth, I was beside him as a craftsman. Huh, huh. Begotten, not made. And through him, all things were made. You see now what's at stake here. This one that was begotten, that came forth, but not in the manner of a creature, is in fact the source of all creaturely being. Huh. The book of Proverbs is speaking of the same logos, present to the Father from all eternity, the vehicle by which the Father made the world, the claim of the Catholic Church at the Council of Nicaea and ever since is that this very power became flesh in Jesus of Nazareth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Trinity Sunday, when we talk about the persons within the unity of God, this is not some just arcane theological preoccupation but rather belongs to the very heart and the very essence of the faith. Who's the spirit, by the way, the third person? The love breathed back and forth between the Father and the Son. This is not a little footnote, a little sidelight. This belongs to the very heart of our Catholic faith, which is why Sunday after Sunday we get up, we stand up proudly, and we assert the victory over Arius the affirmation of the Father and the Son, and by implication, the Holy Spirit. A happy and blessed Trinity Sunday to everybody, and God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.